Well, hey, good morning, church. Listen, let me just begin by saying this. I'm grateful that God has given us the technology to be able to meet together this morning. And before we get started in really digging into the Word of God, our president has declared today a national day of prayer. And it just so happens we're people of prayer. So right where you are, you might still be in bed, but that's all right. Why don't you stretch your hands, lift your hands. Our entire church, wherever you find yourself, lift your hands right now. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you. For today, I thank you that your word declares no weapon formed against us will prosper. And I pray right now that fear would be gone. That in this moment, as people of God, that as we gather together in our own homes, thousands of homes across the country and around the world, God, that your peace, that peace that surpasses understanding, would really guard our heart and enable us to reflect you in all that we do today, throughout the week, throughout the month, and even the year. Father, we're grateful for your presence, and we pray right now that you would speak to us through your word. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. Well, hey, I'm excited to be back with you. Many of you know the last two weeks I haven't been in service. I've been with you, but not on the platform. Um, just uh, a few weeks ago, man, time is flying so quickly, but on February 24th, was it February, January, Fe it was February 24th, my wife and I, we welcomed our fourth child um, into the world, Lux Josiah Eisenhart, and we were so excited about it, and, and for us anyway, um, we were very excited because it was building to the, to the to the date, my wife had a C-section, and so we knew that he was coming, but what we did not anticipate was the fact that he would have to get rushed into the NICU um, because his lungs weren't properly, um, weren't working properly. And the last three weeks, I feel as though they have prepared me to share this word with you today, but um, many of us are living in a time, uh, all of us are living in a time where we don't really have control of the things around us. And in that moment of excitement, I mean, we were, we were welcoming our, our child into the world. And so in that moment, we were excited. We were enthused. But, but all of a sudden, that excitement turned to, to fear and worry. Just like that, the moment changed. The atmosphere changed. And for about nine days, nine or ten days, our son was in that environment, being cared for so well by the nurses and the doctors and and um, I, one of the things that I recognized in that moment was that though I could not control the circumstances around me, that I could guard my heart and that I could speak God's promises over my life. Today, we're beginning a new series of talks um, entitled, This is for Everyone. And you might be asking, well, what is this? Tell me what this is. And, and I suppose the best way to describe the this is everything that God is doing in and through the life of True North Church. It is the peace. It's the joy. It's the healing. It's the hope. It's the salvation that comes through your personal relationship with Jesus. It's all of that. And in that moment, um, when God comes into an atmosphere or in an environment, um, the environment or the external things begin to change. And I have to tell you, that past week was, was a lot uh, for my wife and I and our family. And to make matters worse, after um, he had come out of the NICU, I had um, had this back issue. And I, to be honest, I'm going to be really honest with you right now. Um, it's quite embarrassing to tell you this, but I had a back issue 
Um, and I, I'm, I'm 36 years old. I, I try to exercise frequently, and I don't know where this came from. I think it was a neglected injury from college football. And, and, um, but one morning I woke up, um, and it was actually in the hospital. I was sleeping on what they called a bed, but it wasn't much of a bed. It was like a sofa. Um, and I woke up, and I, I tried to bend down, and I was like, oh, I can't, I can't even move. And, and I wouldn't say anything to my wife because she just had a C-section. You, you know what I'm talking about? I wouldn't be like, oh, my back hurts. So I was kind of just pretending it wasn't that bad, and I kind of was doing the walk like this um, in, in the hospital. And then I went home, and I kept stretching. Apparently, I found out that the stretches I was doing was making it worse. And then all of a sudden, one morning, I, I woke up, and I couldn't move. I, I literally could not roll over. The pain, I was having spasms in my back. And so I just, like any other guy would say, listen, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I'm just going to lay here until it gets better. Well, after the third day of laying on the floor, um, I finally had to call uh, the ambulance and they came and took me to the hospital. They gave me medication and, um, and, and it enabled me to stand up and walk, but it was quite embarrassing. And I have to tell you this because I think this is so important for all of us, is you have to take responsibility for your own spiritual health, for your own spiritual and emotional well-being. We are being inundated right now. Wash your hands. Wash this. Be careful. Do all these things. Can I just tell you this? Be careful what goes into your heart. Be careful about how you're responding to the things that are happening around you because you and I are responsible for it. And I'm not going to lie. I failed the test. Because the first few days when my back started hurting, all I could do was complain. All I could do was moan. All I could do was feel sorry for myself. I wanted to help my wife and, and take care of our other three crazy kids. But I couldn't. I was just, I was literally incapacitated. Well, not really, but I couldn't move. I was just laying there on the floor. And, and I started to realize just a few days ago that, that I didn't need to respond that way. That just because my surroundings and my circumstances were not perfect and they weren't the way that I wanted them to be, I didn't need to respond that way. What am I saying to you? I'm telling you this, that just because you don't have control of the circumstances that are happening around you doesn't mean that your spirit needs to buy into that fear and that worry. Today, as we launch into this new topic or discussion of, of or the series of discussions, I want us to draw attention to this one thing. And it says this, that in Isaiah 26, verse 3, this is what the, the word says. It says, you will keep in perfect peace. This is what the word says. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now, I have to be honest. My thoughts were not fixed upon God. They weren't fixed upon him and his promises and his blessings, my thoughts were fixed on all the things that were wrong around me. And I kept rehearsing all the bad things that were happening over and over. And can I tell you something? The enemy loves to do that. He has one tactic. Some of you think he has multiple. No, he has one desire to, to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his goal. That's his MO. So if he can rob you of your joy, if he can rob you of your peace and your patience and all of that thing, even though he actually can't, he will attempt to, but the only way that he can rob you of that is if you will relinquish control of it and give it to him. Now, to be honest, it's a hard thing to do sometimes. When all this stuff is happening around you and all these things are going on, you can sometimes feel helpless. 
I mean, I literally was laying on the floor, and my wife was chasing kids around, and I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't even scream at them, because when, when I would scream, my back would go into a spasm. Some of you are laughing. You shouldn't be laughing about it. It was incredibly painful. I've never experienced that before. But as the days progressed and I started to get better, I started to realize something. That as I was laying there, I didn't need to be miserable. I didn't need to complain. I didn't need to be filled with fear. Uh, one of the things I told my mother when our son was in the NICU for about five days, she said, how is everything going? And I said, well, you know, mom, I'm, I find myself before I even walk into the, to the unit where, where Lux was staying and being cared for, I, I found myself being, getting anxious before I even walked in. And I recognized that, that when I was walking in, I was rehearsing all of these fears and these worries that could happen. And, and so I've, I've realized something, that I'm, I'm not a victim in this, that I don't need to be tortured by the possibility of something going wrong. And so I, I began to do what the Word of God says and take every thought captive and hold it to the obedience of Christ. And so when I started to have thoughts that things would go wrong and things would, would take a turn for the worse, I would stop and I would pause and I would say, God, I thank you that we are the head and not the tail. God, I thank you that you've promised us promised us health and healing. I thank you that you've promised that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. And there were moments where before I would even push that call button, I would stand there and I would pray to myself and get my spirit built up and I'd push the call button and they'd say, who are you? And I didn't say, I'm, I'm the father of Lux and I would walk in and I would hear all the buzzers and all the sounds and I'd see all the numbers, but in my soul, I was okay. And I think for all of us, during this crisis, as we're calling it, um, we need to be very careful, careful more than anything else that we guard our heart. The Bible says that out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. And so make sure that you're guarding your heart. One of the things that we need to remind ourselves is that we're people of faith. We live by faith and not by sight. And I love what it says in 2 Timothy and some of you might have learned this, this verse um, as a young child in, in kids' church, but I was, I've been singing this to my children all week. And it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. That's one of those verses that you shouldn't just be um, semi-familiar with. It's one of those verses that should be rooted deeply in your soul. That every time the enemy begins to bring about fear in your life, you can stand quickly and say, no, 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 no. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit does is as he reminds you of the word of God in seasons of difficulty. I can, just by me reciting that verse to you, I can recall moments in fifth grade riding on the bus being overwhelmed with anxiety and fear. I can't explain to you why I had that, but I was so fearful at that age that I would often just cry so badly in class I'd have to go down to the nurse, and, and I couldn't explain it to my parents. I didn't know what was going on. I was always overwhelmed, but I can tell you one thing. I said that verse every day on repeat on the bus in school, and it helped me deal with my anxiety. It helped me get through it. But the one thing it did, it planted that verse in my soul. And I believe for, any, for all of us, we need to be better at not only memorizing scripture, but making sure that we're in the proper place and state of mind to recite it when we need it. I want to take you to a passage of scripture that I personally think will help us in this season. I was 
planning on sharing something completely different. And um, because of the, the series of events, and now that we're having service online, I felt that I needed to share something a little bit different than what I initially had planned. And I want you to, if, you're, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 23. And we're going to read through 29. And this is what the scripture says. Actually, before I share with you the scripture, I want to kind of give you an idea of what is happening in this situation. Um, Jesus has just shared with the disciples that he's going to go. And he's explained to them that he's getting ready to go to the cross and then he will be raised to life and eventually he would ascend into heaven with the Father. And some of you remember this story. You remember when Jesus is telling the disciples and he told Peter, um, and, or he's telling everyone, and Peter's like, this will not happen. Do you remember? He was really adamant. No, 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 this is not going to happen. And um, this isn't the time where he rebuked him and called him Satan. This is another time. This, this time in Scripture, he, he basically says, you know, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. I will die for you. And, and Jesus re- replies, you would die for me? And then he begins to tell Peter that you will deny me three times. And and this leads to the, to the climax of the crucifixion. But in this moment, Jesus is explaining to them that I'm, I'm going to leave. And I can only imagine the situation for them because it's one of those situations I feel like, like all this excitement. And then in the midst of the excitement, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to leave. And they're like, well, what do you mean you're going to leave? Well, you, you can't leave now. I mean, this is, this, this is the bad timing, Jesus. Bad timing. This is... This is all that's happening, all the excitement, all the enthusiasm, you're going to allow your kingdom to rule and reign. And, and they misunderstood really the significance of what Jesus was doing or where he was going. And there's almost this confusion in this moment, confusion of the good things that are happening and then what appears, I want to draw your attention, what appears to be bad and it clouds their view of the ultimate purpose of what God's doing. And I find that so so pertinent and timely for us. This is our sixth service as a church in the new Mullica Hill facility. And I could easily say, oh, it's right at the beginning. God, you're doing all this stuff. And then really this happening. But rather than complain and rather than say, oh, God, why us and why this situation? I choose to believe that God's bigger than this, that God can use this, that in spite of what is happening and transpiring in our nation and around the world, that God can do something significant and the move of God can advance in ways that we never thought possible. Sometimes just because we can't see it and we don't understand it, we, we, we lose the significance and the purpose in what God is really doing. In John chapter 14, follow along with me. It says, Jesus replied, all, all who love me will do what I say. It says, my, he says, my father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the father who sent me. Verse 25. He says, I am telling you these things now while I, while I am still with you. I want you to hear that. He says, I'm telling you these things while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. Verse 27. 
Here it is. I want you to hear this. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. He begins by saying this. If you love me, you'll obey my words. And right after that, he gets ready to explain to them that I'm telling you these things while I'm still present with you, but I'm not always going to be here. Almost this. He's saying, listen, I know some of you have written out the end of the story already, but you're not the author of the story. I'm the author of the story. So I'm telling you right now that I'm only going to be with you for a moment, but then I'm leaving. But when I leave, I will send a gift. And this is a significant gift. It's the advocate. It's the Holy Spirit. And he cannot come unless I go. He cannot come unless I go. So I must go. And when I go, you will rejoice. And he's saying to him, you're going to rejoice because you're going to understand that it's better for you because I left. He's trying to wrap their, their heads around the significance of what's getting ready to transpire. And they don't really get it. But what I think they really were captivated by was this one thing. I'm leaving you a gift. I'm leaving you a gift. It's not saying like it's just a gift from certain times and seasons. No, he says, I'm leaving you a gift. And that's what God does. He gave us the gift of Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus gives us gifts and promises of hope and joy and abundance and healing. He gives us gifts. And one of these gifts and promises that he gives us is peace of mind and heart. And he says, I'm giving this to you and it can't be taken from, from you. And I love that because most of what we have in this life, we spend the rest of our lives protecting and live in fear of someone else taking it, of our investments, of our children, of our careers, of our future, of all those things. We live often in fear of the enemy robbing us of the gifts or the accomplishments of the things that we have. And Jesus so articulates this so perfectly because he says, I'm leaving you a gift but just so you understand, no one can take it from you. No one can rob you of this gift. It's for you alone. And the world can't take it. Not only can the world not take it, the world cannot give you this gift that I give you. He's talking about peace. And I know in my journey with the Lord, one of these things that I needed to really wrap my head around is that, that peace is not connected to circumstances or situations. Now, it would be really easy for me to tell you that during the last three weeks of everything that has happened, not only in the nation and the world, but in my own personal family, that it was so easy for me to get up every day and just to be filled with peace and happiness and joy, kind of like walking around like this, you know, and, and my wife is still recovering and we have a new baby in the house and the kids are going crazy. I mean, I, I would love to tell you that it was so easy. It wasn't. But in those moments, I, I would declare over myself, God, I thank you that this is just a season. Some of us do this, and I, I just really feel like God was speaking to me in this moment where I'm, I kept praying to God, God, I thank you that this is just a season. Meaning that, God, this is just a moment of time that I'm, it's causing me discomfort. And I feel like God wanted to remind me of something that I don't need to, his peace doesn't just reside in situations and circumstances that are easy. I believe that his peace is actually felt and received more in seasons of difficulty. 
And I kept telling God, God, come on, I know this is just a season. My back is going to be better. My wife will recover soon and everything will, you know, and then in those moments I can just, and it's almost sad to think the only way that we can have peace is if every situation and circumstance is perfect around us. And I really believe that God was trying to teach me in this moment in the past few weeks that, no, our peace does not come from this world. Our peace comes from him. It is not a situation, it is a person, and his name is Jesus. So when we talk about this is for everyone, one of the main things that we're declaring is the peace that comes from above is for everyone. When he came into the world, the Bible declares that he was Emmanuel, God with us. Never to leave us, never to forsake us. Always be present with us. And so when we, he ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the comforter, to remind us, remind us of what? Of his promises over our life. I know it's easy, trust me, I know it's easy for some of you. And let me talk to you if you are the head of the household, maybe the mom or the dad. Let me speak to you for a moment. In times like these, what comes out of your mouth is so important for the family and the house. I believe that our households should be filled with the promises of God, the peace of God, the joy that comes from Christ. And the way that that happens is if we begin to declare and to prophesy and to proclaim his promises over our house. We were made for such a time as this. God will advance the kingdom of God in ways that we could never imagine in seasons of difficulty and distress. And so I don't know where you find yourself, but I want you to know this, that one of the promises that has come from God one of his great promises is to promise to give us peace, peace of mind and peace of heart. In Matthew chapter 5, a few weeks ago, we were going over this passage of Scripture, and I thought it would be so important to kind of do a U-turn and come back to this passage of Scripture because in this specific passage, he talks about, about our nature or about how we affect society. And he says it using some simple analogies, but these simple analogies can, can really paint a portrait of what our lives should look like. Lives that are sold out to Christ. Lives that are focused and fixed on the things of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, this is what Jesus declares over you and me. This is what he says. He says, you are the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You know, it's interesting when you study the significance of this passage because salt prevents decay. They used to use it to, to prevent their food from decaying. And I really believe that what Jesus is saying here, could it be that he's saying that, that those who are in Christ, you, you prevent decay, spiritual decay from happening? And right now in our world, why people are losing their minds... Literally, panicking and worrying and some in serious situations and, and difficult seasons in life. They're going crazy and it's in these moments where he declares to us, those who are in Christ, he says, no, no, you're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. You prevent spiritual, emotional decay in people around you. And so I just want to remind you that you are the person that when added to the crowd, when added to the room, when added to society, when you're added to those environments, you bring change. 
You bring change. You don't just preserve things in the physical sense. You allow life, spiritual life, to be advanced and to thrive because you believe and live in the promises of God. So when he declares to you, you are the salt of the earth, I want you to understand something. He's not saying just sometimes you're the salt, just in times of of good and ease and perfection and situations are all good. No, you are the salt of the earth in difficult seasons, in moderate seasons, and in perfect seasons. You are are the salt of the earth. You can bring Christ into every situation that you're in. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just leave it at that analogy. He continues on. And in verse 14, he says this. He says, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. He says, instead, instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I know it's so easy in seasons like this to hide and to run and to retreat physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And can I just encourage you in this season, don't hide. Call those who are more vulnerable than you. The way, this is, the way society decays is selfishness. All we think about is ourselves. All we think about is our own preservation. All we think about is taking care of ourselves, but that's not the house of God. We care for one another and love on one another. And so in this season, remind yourself that the peace that comes from God is a gift that He gives, and the world can't take it from you, that you are the salt of the earth, that you are the light of the world, You're not supposed to hide in seasons like this. You were made for seasons like this. You were called for seasons like this. Who in your world right now could use a word of encouragement for you to call and to pray with them over the phone? Who could you you encourage by getting them groceries or getting them some things that they may need? Who can you encourage and lead to Jesus and give them a gift, the greatest gift that has been given to all humanity, the gift of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ? I really believe that the world is in a new season, an interesting one, but a new one. And I believe that just because we don't understand how things are unfolding doesn't mean that God is absent from the situation. God is ever present in our time of need. And I really believe, church, that we separate ourselves in seasons like this because we don't operate in fear. We live by faith and we live in the authority of God. We're not ignorant, we're not rude, we're not fearful, we're not worried. We declare the promises of God over our present, over our family and our friends and our future, and we live accordingly. Hey, thanks for watching. I pray that this message was a blessing to you and an encouragement to you. Wherever you find yourself in the journey of life, um, we never finish one of our services without giving people an opportunity um, to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. You may be asking, well, How does that happen and how can I be a follower of Jesus? I want to tell you that sin is the very thing that separates you from having a relationship with God. Um, But Jesus came to reestablish that relationship. When Jesus died on the cross and defeated sin and death by being raised to life on the third day, he provides a way for you and I to reestablish that relationship with the Heavenly Father. Now, this is what the Bible says. It says that salvation comes by grace through faith which simply means you just have to believe 
In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that out of the confession of your mouth and the belief in your heart, you shall be saved. And so what I'd love to do is to lead you in a simple prayer. It's simple, but it's significant. It's significant because the Bible says on the other side of this prayer, you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died on the cross and was raised to life. God, make me new. I'm now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just said that prayer, I'm excited for you. I'm very excited for you. Why? Because your life just started. The Bible describes you in a completely different way. It says that the old is gone and the new has come. You're a new creation in the eyes of God. And I want to encourage you um, to to tell somebody about the decision. I know oftentimes when people make this big decision, they're excited, but they're frightened and have reservations about telling people. I wanna encourage you to tell somebody, whether it's contacting us here at True North Church through the website or calling us, we'd love to send you a Bible, but more importantly, you need to be part of a spiritual community. Find a local church, uh, a local church near you, a healthy church, a Bible-based church that you can become part of The Bible says that we should be planted in the local church. So I want to encourage you to find the church. Listen, I'm excited for you, and I truly believe that in Christ, your best days are still ahead.